When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, don't miss our ESPN Plus featured hockey games this Thursday night. We got the Bruins and Rangers, 730 Eastern. Panthers, Sharks, follow that. To get ESPN Plus, go to ESPNPlus.com or download the ESPN app. What a morning we have working for you here. We are live, as always, from the Seaport. We're brought to you by Grey Goose. We have four lead stories this morning, and we will take you through every one of them. So put your feet up. Here we come. We start in the NFL. A record 10 trades made on deadline day. It started early. The Lions sending TJ Hawkinson, outstanding tight end, to Minnesota. The 6-1 Vikings are actually last this season among yards per catch for their tight ends. Hawkinson is first. We stay in that division. The Bears, an interesting move, adding Chase Claypool, giving Justin Fields another receiver they give Pittsburgh a second round pick. The big trade of the day, though, Miami sending a first rounder to Denver for Bradley Chubb, who has five and a half sacks this season and is an outstanding pass rusher. Here was Dan Orlovsky's reaction on NFL Live yesterday. Miami can win the Super Bowl now. I did not feel Ooh. that way this morning. Miami wow. can absolutely wow. win the Super Bowl right now. Wow. Miami didn't think they had anybody that could get Josh Allen and yeah. Patrick Mahomes on the ground. They had to get a guy that could stop the other quarterbacks, and their quarterback is playing Super Bowl caliber football right now. So there's Dan saying that I, I opened the show yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I got a text. From, I got a text from Dan. What does it say? I said. So he responded. He said, "Buffalo, KC, Philly. That's the top three, and then the next four: are Baltimore, Miami, Dallas, and, and the 49ers. All right. So they're on the okay. list. That's they're the, on the list. Well, everybody, they're on the list. with Look, everybody else. And the top three. One of the top three teams doesn't always win. Here's here's what I will say. That feels to me like – I asked the question yesterday morning on this show. Will someone win the Super Bowl today on deadline day? That's just sort of a way to try and hype it up. I didn't think it would actually happen. Yeah. Did the Dolphins make themselves a legitimate Super Bowl contender yesterday? No, they didn't. Now, they got a lot closer to Kansas City, Baltimore, and Buffalo, but I don't think – that the questions about the Miami Dolphins are really about the defensive side of the ball. I think they stem around the quarterback to attack of Iloa. Can he stay healthy? And then what can we expect in the postseason if he has to go on the road? G for context, quarterbacks that made their playoff debut last season yeah. were one in four and an average QBR of 41. And in those four losses, they were combined a total of 76 points in terms of margin of loss. So the, all I'm simply saying is this. I like what the Dolphins have been since Tua has been the starting quarterback. In games that he starts and they finish, you're talking about them having a 5-0 and record and the offense averaging 10 more points. But can Tua go into Buffalo or go into Kansas City and get the dub? I have serious questions you, about did that. Did you agree with the and list? I have, and I have serious questions about can he stay healthy the rest of the way. I agree with that. Did you, did you, get, did you agree with Dan's list? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, the list. so Buffalo, who beat Buffalo? Miami, oh, Miami did. Okay. So who beat uh, Baltimore? Miami did. Okay, so two of the teams on the list, you're saying, how are they not going to be Super Bowl contenders then? Because, just, because they're not going to win their division. So you're going to have to go on the road in those games. I don't know that he's going to be and able Miami to do that. Miami on the road, going, that's a real going, thing. Going, going to no, cold going, weather, going to 100%. Buffalo in January, going to Arrowhead in January is a real thing. It, it will be a real thing. But, man, you talk about what do, they, what do you need to be able to do to beat Mahomes, to beat Josh Allen? You better be able to rush the quarterback. 
you got another dude. Phillips is a man coming off the end 15. Now, I love the way he plays. I love his effort. you got Christian I don't Wilkinson. know how much of a man he is. They have 29th in pressures on this. Well, season. they're about to get a lot better because they've right. got Bradley Chubb. You so, go. you've got another guy in here that can rush the passer. So, again, you're building your team to build, beat those teams that we're talking about. So, I, I do think they made themselves a heck of a lot better. But I do share the same concerns for Tua. Can you throw the ball away and live to fight another play? Well, well, that's, 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 that's something that is a real thing. The question on Tua Tungavailoa has always been twofold. It has been, can he stay healthy? And the second was, is he good enough anyway? I think this says they believe he's answered the second question. I I think that was a legit question coming into this season. And by making these kind of aggressive moves, uh, particularly this one yesterday, giving up a first-round pick, knowing you're going to have to pay this guy a lot of money, that's the Dolphins saying to Tua, you are our quarterback going forward, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I don't see how you can make the argument that they're not a Super Bowl contender. Because there are several teams that legit could win the Super Bowl. That's sort of, that's the interesting thing about this season. It's not just the Kansas City Chiefs anymore. Like, I I covered the Bengals last year. Nobody thought midway through the season that the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl. Mm. Guess what? They were in the Super Bowl. They almost won the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying two is the same as Joe Burrow. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm waiting for that but, to but, draft yeah, class. But, but, to be, <laughs> but I don't think my point is you can't definitively say, looking at this roster, look at how two play, has played. Look at the fact that they went out and, and they have Jalen Waddle. They got Tyreek Hill. You're at – like the whole point of making moves right now is if you have a, a very good team and you want to shore up those cracks. You want to leave no stone unturned. You add Bradley Chubb to Jalen Phillips. Like, to me, this is the whole point of doing this move. Let me ask you the question then this way, uh, Chris, because I understand what you're saying. Buffalo just, to me, this is about a Buffalo conversation. The Bills just look so good and figure overwhelmingly to be the number one Mm. seed. We need to figure out who could you see going in there and beating them, right? That's what this conversation is. Who could go to Orchard Park in January and beat the Bills? Who was on that list then? It's interesting that you said that because I don't necessarily agree with you. Don't you tell me? I think Kansas City is the team to beat. And they have been the team to beat for the last four years. That's why they've hosted the AFC Championship game. But they probably won't this year. Buffalo went in there and beat them and has a better record. Okay, they did that last year too. I understand that. But is KC going to go into Buffalo and beat them in January? I think they can. That you you do. So that, but, so there's one. There's yeah. another. Baltimore. You would you you Baltimore shot in that game. I'm just trying to figure. I out would who give Baltimore with Roquan. Yeah, with Roquan Smith. Baltimore yep. has already played a playoff game in Buffalo, so they have that experience. They're not going to be able to run up by the environment. So yeah, I think Baltimore can do it. That's what I'm trying to figure out is how many teams are there. If I mean, contender is a complicated word because it sure. can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins. They're on a list of the best teams right. in the AFC. That's clear. They, they haven't lost to- with two as their starter. That's right. When correct. he finishes a game, they haven't lost no. a game. Right. They, they have the they their receivers scare the absolute bejesus out of you out wide. Like there and is, this is absolutely whole point nothing. Of you but here's the thing, though, David. We can't assign the same level of play and productivity from Tua in the regular season to the playoffs because we haven't seen him in the playoffs, True. and we know that that's a different animal altogether. He has played big games in college, though. I mean, you know, for whatever it's, that's worth, I know it's not right, exactly it's the same, but it's not I like he doesn't you. know the big game advantage. But I also think part of the move, the reason you bring in a Tyreek Hill, is because you are trying to beat. T- Teams like Buffalo. You're trying to beat teams like the Chiefs. Like he is, he is the most explosive player in the NFL. No doubt. Like yeah. you're asking. We saw the Bills have to contend with him and fail. You but know that what weather I'm is so real, though. In Buffalo. Well, 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 yeah, that weather in Miami, Buffalo, Miami, Buffalo. White either. That guy's coming back. He's they have to go there again. They have to go there this regular season. Buffalo has been to Miami. Miami has not been to Buffalo yet. I'm not exactly sure when that game is. We'll look it up. Much more football as we go. In the meantime, lead story number two: World Series game number. Three, Todd Frazier. How about the drama last 
night. Bottom of one, no score in Philly. Astros and Phil's Bryce Harper. He doing what he does best. Seeing the first pitch, he doesn't waste any time, man. Welcome to Philly, Lance McCullers. Bye-bye baseball. Th that is a, a smacked home run for Harper, who's having a monster postseason. So it's 2-0. Then what happens here with Alec Bohm? Yeah, real simple. We had a meeting earlier. Let's talk about it. Trust what you saw. Trust what you believe. He did it to me. He's tipping his pitches. Go up there and believe in it, bud, and see what happens. Well, do you think it worked? How about this? This is the first pitch Bohm sees. Bam! That knocks it out of the ballpark, and it's 3-0 on two home runs. And look at Harper. See? I told you so. And it continues. Bottom of five. It's a 4-0 game, and here comes Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, he's doing what he always does. He's been hitting home runs this whole postseason. He gets a changeup, which you don't see too often. A changeup, boom, dead center field over 430 feet. Man, something was going on there, and they saw something, and they did not disappoint. Now, and it was not over either, because the next batter is Reese Hoskins, and he joins the party. Yeah, another tip pitch, another home run. Real simple. McCullough just like, what is going on here today? And Reese doing what he does best as well. The Phillies hit five. The home fans go crazy. They win game three by a 7-0 score. Here was Bryce Harper after the game with our Buster Olney. The whole world is wondering what you said to Alec Bohm. What'd you tell him? No, just trying to have as much information as possible, right? Just having good at bats and trying to do the best we can to get on McCullers early. He's really good and, you know, just trying to do the best we can and have the best at bats we can. I think guys have conversations all the time, you know, before at bats and before innings and things like that. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say anything like that. They, I got whooped. Yeah. End of story. All right, fair enough. That's, I, I assume that's the right thing for him to yeah. say in this scenario, but he's wrong, and Todd can explain it to you. In fact, he can show it to you right now. What was McCullers doing last night? Yeah, it was a pride factor there, but he was doing two things. On an off-speed pitch, you can see the glove up and down. Not much – or there's space in between. Real simple with the glove. You can see that as a hitter. When you go over the meetings, you look back on things years ago. Give credit to Kevin Long as well, the hitting coach. Now, fastball, the glove's hidden, and it's turned to the side a little bit. As much as people are like, oh, man, you can't see that. It is so visible. It's so quick. But even a fifth grader can understand this, which I'm trying to understand. Now, let's look at both. Up and down, simple. Curve to this other side. And as you can tell, they trusted everything. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, come on, man. What do I have to do? But again, look, up and down. There's a little space in between as well, straight up and down. Let's get over here. We got curve. There's no space. As hitters and professionals, you're going to take that, you're going to run with it, and boom, five home runs, never it's been done for in the postseason. I can't World overstress series. this statistic enough. Lance McCullers threw 651 off-speed pitches through the regular and postseason. Not one of them was hit for a home run. Four of them were hit for home runs last night, which suggests clearly that something was going on. Let me just ask you, because I'm sure a lot of fans are watching it, that looks to, to the naked eye, or to, to those of us, like sort of a subtle difference. But you're saying when you're at the plate, you see that very, very clearly. And you're looking for one spot when he's right here. As we can tell, when he's right here, boom. Is it open space? Is it closed? Is the glove turn? You're looking there. You're looking at his eyes? No, we're looking for where the ball is, so where his hands. So it's not a leg thing. It's boom, right here. It's real simple. And, and, and how commonplace is this? This is what's fascinating to me is the fans are home, we're watching these games, and we're with a game within the game. This is, to be clear, this is not gamesmanship. This is you're looking for someone who is giving away what they are doing. How common is something like that? It's common, like brushing your teeth in the morning. It's everyday work. People are looking. Players are going back looking at film. you got hitting coaches, even pitching coaches. You can ask, hey, look, can we talk about this? Is this something we can go over and see and figure out? 
I mean, I wanted to know. I was an average hitter, so the more I knew, I'm going to trust that and go with it. Now, so to be clear, I told you this morning in our meeting, I'll take you behind the curtain here, I said to you, go find the video and tell me exactly what he was doing. You were able to find that pretty quickly. So why is it the Astros and McCullers himself couldn't figure out, oh, after the third home run, maybe I'm doing something that's tipping my pitches? Yeah, it's something where it's like you don't want to do something during the game, like go out there, keep pitching, hopefully you figure it out, hopefully you hit your spots. At the end of the day, they crush the ball. you got to figure something out. It's that gamemanship and the game-between-the-game stuff you have to worry about. And now they're on their heels again, the swing game, game three. How would you describe how different it is when you know what's coming? When you think you know what's coming, how much does that change everything for you as a hitter? It's like Christmas morning, man. You're excited. (laughs) I'm telling you right now. You know you're getting every gift that you wanted from Santa Claus. And guess what? It's right there. It's going to be right right where the cookie is, baby. You eat that cookie and you let that thing drive. I couldn't be more so because when I got it, most of the time I'm hitting the ball hard at least. And when I did hit a homer, I go over my hitting coach and say, give me a big hug, baby. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, game four tonight. Who's in control of this? Obviously, the Phils are up two games to one and they're at home. What do you expect in game four tonight? <sighs> Phillies. I, 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 don't see them not, I don't see them losing again, to be honest with you. Aaron Nola back at home. He, he didn't pitch well on the road. The, you know, Let's talk about numbers. He doesn't do well on the road, but at home, he's dominant. Phillies, watch out. Every prediction you have made on our show, by the way, has been right. You're the one who told us the Padres were going to wind up beating uh, L.A. in a series. No one thought they had a chance to win. Really well done today, Todd. Thank you very much. More on that as we go. In the meantime, back to football. Aaron Rodgers can't be happy about the Packers' deadline day. Is Green Bay done? And if so, what does it mean for Rodgers? We're talking about that as we continue. Plus, another spin in the cycle for bewildered Brooklyn. The coach is out. They lose again. What happens now? Woj is here with the answers. And so is Amari Stoudemire. Don't miss it next. Get up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are back on Get Up. Another lead story today. The Nets are finalizing a deal to hire suspended Celtics coach Ime Udoka. According to Woj, a formal agreement could be reached today. Udoka would replace Steve Nash, who departed yesterday after telling GM Sean Marks they're not responding to me. Here was Kevin Durant. It was a rocky year last year, rocky summer. 
Uh, we knew that everybody was being evaluated. That's just how it is. I like working with Steve. I like working with the coaching staff. It was a roller coaster the last few years, but you know, the core of it, basketball, is something that we all love to do. You know, so regardless of who the coach, regardless of you know the circumstances, still got to come to work. So I enjoy coming to work with Steve. All right, so Amari Stoudemire is in our studio today. Again, uh, was on the coaching staff with the Nets last year and, of course, has been together with Steve Nash forever. And, and Woj is here, who, of course, always has the story. So let's deal now in the future. They're going to bring in Ime Udoka is what you're telling us today. What are the expectations here? Yeah, I think there's still some work to be done on a deal with Ime Udoka and conversations that's left to go on with Boston and the league. Uh, but the hope for Brooklyn is, this is a coach who will come in, command the respect of the locker room. He already has it because he had been there on that coaching staff with Steve Nash. He coached Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, and that's no small part of this history with Sean Marks, their GM, going all the way back to San Antonio. Uh, but this is, as much as anything, an organization that needs to be stabilized. And I think the hope is that Ime Udoka, who Boston is going to let leave, that was their plan from the beginning. If he was offered any other coaching job, assistant head coaching job, he would be able to move on, and Boston, Brooklyn has that permission to do it, uh, but they need Ime Udoka to come in and just stabilize this franchise. This is very likely the best last chance Brooklyn has to hold together this Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and now Ben Simmons era. I think that's the right way to put it is it feels like one last move before you just say, you know what, this just didn't work. You were there last year. Again, some of the dynamics have changed now. But as they bring in a new coach, what, what's the upside here? What, what could you, if everything went as well as it could possibly be imagined, Amari, what can this team still do? Well, you have, you have your core group of guys. You know, I mean, every, every playoff caliber team, championship, hopeful team, you have your cornerstone guys. You have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. Now, I think if Ime is able to bring these groups together and really be able to build the chemistry on both ends of the court, defensively and offensively, then these guys can be a playoff team, and if they really get going properly, they can still contend for a title if everything goes well. Can it be done, though? As we sit there, you were inside it last year. Why has it not worked? These are incredibly talented players, and it has just been, candidly, a disaster. Why, Amari? Well, you have to establish a system. You know, as elite players, you know, we always want to have like a system, you know. And so defensively, if the guys can develop some type of shell defense where they can just go over the repetition of how they want that defensive system to be played out and guys get those reps in, you can build that type of, you know, informational defensive strategy. And then also offensively, one thing we had, we had Mike D'Antoni there the first year with us. He implemented a part method offense, which Steve and I ran when we was in Phoenix together, which allowed the players to work together offensively to build that chemistry as well. If you can do both of those, then now you can build a nice, solid team. Fair enough. So those are the basketball pieces of all of this. But as we all understand, as you follow the situation, this is about a lot more than just basketball, particularly in the case of Kyrie Irving. The Nets right now are being advised by the Anti-Defamation League on how to handle Kyrie Irving's social media post that linked to a movie filled with anti-Semitic rhetoric. For the second straight night last night, the Nets did not make Irving available to the media after a game. Here's their GM, Sean Marks. We don't want to cause, um, uh, you know, more fuss right now, more interaction with people, like let's let him simmer down and let's let this whole, uh, I guess let's the cooler minds prevail. And I think we need to go out and become, you know, educate ourselves, educate the whole group and and get some direction, seek from the experts, you know, and, and the experts is, you know, one of them is certainly the ADL. 
So what is, Woj, the expectation of where this goes now for Kyrie? It's going to be really hard for the Nets, for Kyrie Irving, the NBA, to get past this if he does not apologize for this. And not just apologize, I think, but say he doesn't believe what was depicted in that movie, that he doesn't support what was said. I think it's got to be a sincere apology and backtracking on the sharing of that. And then Saturday night, when he had the opportunity to say those things and he went in the other direction, I think whether it's the Nets, whether it's Kyrie Irving's future in the NBA, this is a league. That's really what needs to happen here for, for them to even begin to start moving on from this. The story's not going away, and nor should it. Charles Barkley was very strong in his criticism of the league for not taking any action last night uh, in TNT's coverage of the NBA. Amara, your connection to this obviously is personal on a variety of levels, including your relationship with Kyrie Irving having been there last year. What is your perspective on all of this? Well, from my understanding, I think Kyrie is still trying to figure out who he is, how to gather the information, and what does that mean for him. And I think what, what's happening right now is that he is, is not being very mindful of the information that he's putting out there. You know, some of that stuff is very hurtful and, and, and there's no tolerance, there's no room for it. I think he has to understand what that means and be more mindful of that as he's learning and trying to figure himself out. Be, you know, be more you know, considerate of, you know, the, the terms or, or what's in his video that may hurt other people. And he should, he should apologize for it. There isn't any obvious indication, though, that he has plans to do that, right? He, he tends to be a, a person who marches to the beat of his own drum, if you will. I'm not sure what the way to, right way to put it is. Where does it go from here? If he does not apologize, as Woj is suggesting, most people would like him to do. Where do you see it going from here? If he doesn't apologize, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rough road for him, right? It's going to be just this dark cloud over his shoulders. All this weight's going to be on his back. It's going to be hard to play at a high level as a basketball player because as an elite player, we play the best when we're stress-free and everything rolls smoothly, the household's taken care of, you know. And so without having that type of structure and all this force on his shoulders, it's going to hurt his play. Stress-free, I think, are probably the last two words anyone would use to describe the Brooklyn Nets yeah, right now. And yeah. the impact not it just has on Kyrie Irving, but this entire locker room, this entire organization, that it is really those are the individuals being left to have to answer to this every single day when Kyrie Irving is not answering to it. Yeah, and again, you heard the general manager say they chose not to make him available. We'll see where it goes here. Outstanding work from both of you, obviously, as always. As we continue, more from the NFL. Aaron wants help. He didn't get any on deadline day. Is Green Bay already done? And if so, what does it mean for the future of one of the greatest players of all time? We'll answer that question. Plus, the first college rankings came out. Are we headed towards SEC chaos? We'll explain why it's already a must-win for last year's champions. And here we go, Pollock. Hembo is ready for you. Who's the only quarterback to beat Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in the same regular season? We'll answer that question next. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot. 
taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We are back on Get Up, and the deadline for NFL trades has come and gone, and the Packers didn't do anything. No help for Aaron Rodgers. Their offense continues to struggle. Green Bay will move forward now with its current roster. And as we were talking about this earlier this morning in our meeting, we were wondering, what would the Packers do? What did the Packers do to try to help Aaron Rodgers? How would you describe, David, what they did? Jack crap. Jack <laughs> did absolutely crap. nothing. Jack and listen, I, they're paying Aaron $50 million a year the next couple years. This is their window. This is, a, this is a spoiled franchise is what it is. You've had 31 years, Timbo gave me that nugget, 31 years of MVP play, MVP play at the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. Like, how much longer do you have? you got Aaron Rodgers. you got a small window. You'd like to see him do, nothing, do something. Okay, if you're not going to do nothing now, you dang sure better do something in the offseason to get this man a free agent wide receiver or for goodness sakes, here's an idea. Draft a wide receiver early in the draft. That would be a heck of an idea. What a novel concept. That would be a novel concept to go get a guy. Kmart, should we interpret their lack of action yesterday as the Packers, as some sort of resignation of them understanding, you know what? We can't do anything right this minute that is going to make us a legit contender. We're just not good enough, so it's not worth giving up whatever we'd have to give up. So, Greeny, I kind of felt like David. Um, yesterday, watching four o'clock come and go, Packers not doing anything. Dang crap was not really like Jack the, crap. Jack, Jack crap okay. wasn't. Really, <laughs> yeah. That's not really my terminology. Um, and then I started talking to people around the league, and I had one NFC exec tell me, you know, if you're thinking they were going to do something, you're looking at it wrong. This is an organization that philosoph- philosophically it loves building through the draft, yep. right? Um, financial flexibility, not a luxury for them because Aaron Rodgers accounts for 14% of the cap this year. So, yes, Aaron may want some help, but Aaron is also eating up a big chunk. Also, getting a veteran receiver right now, which we all wanted them to do, doesn't fix the real problem that they have, which is they need their young receivers to play better. There wasn't one guy that's available right now that, that you could say, yes, we add him, all of our issues are solved. Devontae Adams? 
Well, here, so Sorry. I, I'm with you because I wish I could reverse time and go back and keep Devontae there. I think a lot of the issues with the Packers right now is that most of the moves they've made since getting Jordan Love have been reactionary. Not, they're not being proactive. They're not, it's, it's all trying to keep Aaron happy. And unfortunately, how they've handled everything in the last year and a half, two years, has sort of put them You're in 100% right. They've been chasing that move on one level or another yeah. since the moment that they made it. Uh, Rodgers himself once said, I threw a monkey wrench into the plan. And he kind of did. Now, in the best possible right, way. He right. won back-to-back so, MVPs. Yeah. And they could have been in the Super Bowl, but they didn't get it done. So, Chris, and, and you have been, anyone who watches our show or hears you on the radio, you've, you've been critical of Aaron and just the way a, he's handled it. Just a little bit. You have, which is, which I th- no, I think it's important and it's, it's justified. The question is, where does this leave him? He's a 38-year-old star quarterback with a huge contract on a team that feels like it's just kind of playing out the string this year. And then what? Where does this leave Aaron Rodgers right now? Well, Rodgers has got a decision that he's got to make. Is he going to trust an organization that decided to sit pat while the season is spiraling out of control, that they will put the requisite pieces around him to compete in future years, or is he going to retire? The, the Green Bay Packers can't trade him. It's, it's prohibitive. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. got a $40 million dead cap if they were to try to trade him next offseason. So he's either going to have to play out the string with this or he's going to have to retire. Now, as far as what Kimberly's hearing from executives around the league about the Packers' organizational philosophy, they got to miss me with that. That went out of the window when you extended Aaron Rodgers and you gave him a $50 million a year contract. You're paying a quarterback $50 million to not make the playoffs this year? All I'm simply saying is this. You cannot be half pregnant. If you're all in with Aaron Rodgers and taking advantage of the twilight of his career, then you make the requisite moves. People say that there wasn't a move out there. I disagree. I think Chase Claypool was the move. The Packers receivers can't beat man coverage. The last three years, the Green Bay Packers were second in QBR when it comes to man coverage. This year, they're 24th. Their receivers can't get separation. You know who can? Chase Claypool. Hold on, let me finish. Chase Claypool is third in the National Football League in tight window catches. What that means is a a defender less than a yard away. Why couldn't you go out and get that guy? He's 230 pounds. He's different than any. Second round pick, not a first round pick. He's different than any receiver you you have on your roster. And the worst thing about it is a division rival added him. You bring him in, you got to pay him. It's not – this move wasn't just for this year. It's for, for next year, right? Oh, the Bears okay. got him for this year and next okay. year. Okay. But here's the thing. I'll give you an, an, an analogy. You got a car, nice car, cute car, ni- new car. But somehow the car stopped working, so you bring it to the shop. Okay, while your car is in the shop, you don't go out and buy another car, right? You sort of just – you got to wait till your car is done. That's the – those are the wide receivers they got. They, you talk about – I would love for them to have kept Devontae Adams, right? They didn't. They brought in Sammy Watkins. They drafted Christian Watson in the second round. They added Romeo Dobbs in the fourth, I believe. Yes. They have young pieces. Those pieces just need to do the job. Adding Chase Claypool, yes, he's got all of the physical tools, but he's just one guy. Got, if those young guys don't step up, you need somebody else. Like it, it, they like, got some used car parts, too, there with well, Sammy Watkins <laughs> and Randall Cobb. But here's the thing. Here's where I'll push back. Claypool going to push them over the top? That's what I'm saying. Claypool like, gonna one make, guy Claypool, is Claypool going to put them it. in the top seven? Of no. What I'm saying is if you have Chase Claypool, you have a better chance of making the playoffs. Better chance, Just, but you're not going to win it. But but, but, oh, let's get to the playoffs. We'll see what happens once but, we get to the playoffs. You got, you're, you're not a you playoff team right now. Aaron Rodgers had one with uh, Devontae Adams. He ain't winning with Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool. Let's, let's finish it with like, this. Here's the one way in which I agree with Chris Canty, because it makes no sense to do it. But when you have Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career, you have to try – 
Because the alternative is saying we're going to be bad now and we're giving up in the future because Rodgers is going to be gone. You have to do anything you can to try and win it while you it's have this like pick. incredibly should, narrow should have Picks are now used Adams, to be traded maybe. more. They need to do that more. Instead, they did jack crap. Having said that, <laughs> <laughs> let's do the trivia question. Here we go. Come on, Pollock. Right. Ambo is ready for you. Here's the question. We've got a chance for a quarterback this week to have beaten both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in the same regular season. There's only one quarterback who has ever done that. Who is that quarterback? I feel confident, which makes me feel bad, but the, the regular season is the question, is the part, because Joe Burrow beat him in the championship game, Georgia. So I think it's Jared Stidham in 17 when Georgia beat him in the SC championship game and then played Alabama for a rematch. That's correct. That is well done. Yes, Atta sir. Court. It is Jared Stidham in 2017 beat Saban and Kirby in the same year Hendon Hooker could become the next to do it if Tennessee knocks off Georgia in one of the biggest college football games that we will see this year or any year this weekend. Meanwhile, last night, college football's playoff committee released its first top 25 of the season. The team of the year so far is Tennessee. They are at number one, followed by Ohio State at number two, Georgia three, Clemson over Michigan at four, Alabama, the highest-ranked one-loss team at six, and you see them sitting there ahead of TCU, who is uh, unbeaten and kind of angry. I saw Heather Dinich last night suggesting there were going to be angry frogs out there last night on her Twitter feed. She's their covenant force, and, of course, the great Paul Feinbaum. Paul, I'll start with you. We haven't had you yet today. What was the number one takeaway from the first rankings last night? It looked to me like Michigan uh, is in trouble unless they beat Ohio State because their non-conference schedule got dinged up by the committee. Obviously, TCU was disrespected, but Michigan is the school we've been talking so much about because of their standing and the fact that they have Ohio State remaining. What do you think of that, Heather? Was that a message that was being sent pretty clearly by the committee last night? Yes, and Selection Committee Chair Boo Corrigan talked about that because he was asked directly how much separation is there between Ohio State and Michigan. He said not much. He did reference that strength of schedule. And, guys, if you look at Michigan, of the top 15 teams, Michigan has the worst schedule strength of anyone. They're 79th in the country. Those non-conference opponents, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, a combined 8-18 and 18. So that certainly held them back in that selection committee meeting room. They've got to beat the Buckeyes or bust. What was your number one takeaway last night, David? I think it was TCU. I mean, sitting down at seven below a one-loss Alabama. We've seen Alabama struggle more than conventionally, too. Struggle with Texas, struggle with Texas A&M, lost to Tennessee. I mean, what is TCU going to do? I mean, it just like you, – you imagine if Georgia loses to Tennessee, mm-hmm. are they still ahead of TCU? I, I would think so. You imagine – Clemson's going to be, if they continue to run the table, they're still going to be ahead of them. I mean, I know a lot of this chaos is still going to continue, but strength of record is something you usually uh, use as a measure. TCU's third. Yes. Third. Like, they've played a lot of really good teams, but they're still sitting there below a one-loss team. They're third in strength of record, to your point, and they are seventh in the initial poll and probably in in the initial ranking, I should say, and probably in some trouble. So, let's talk about Tennessee-Georgia this weekend because this game has everything (laughs) at stake. Well, Heather, let's let's start by just describing what's at stake. Tell it what is at stake as we get set to watch last year's champs play this year's number one. What is at stake on Saturday? A spot in the playoff, Greeny. Look, if Georgia loses this game, the selection committee has to look at its protocol on selection day because if you are not a conference champion, 
everyone in that room has to agree you're still a top four team. Now they've got that win against Oregon, but if they don't beat Tennessee, Green, nobody else left on their schedule as we sit here right now is ranked in the CFP's top 25. So they will be clinging to that win against the Ducks in the season opener, hoping that's impressive enough to outweigh everything else. If you take away that win against Oregon right now, guys, as we sit here, Georgia's other opponents are a combined 22 and 26. Their best win, other than Oregon, is South Carolina right now, which has three losses. So I think it's real tough for Georgia to get in without beating the Vols. All right, so that's probably the worst-case scenario for the SEC in total, is if Tennessee beats Georgia this weekend, maybe dispatches of them. Paul, let's talk about the best-case scenario here. And there's <laughs> nothing I enjoy more than having these conversations with my good friend, Mr. Feinbaum. I'm envisioning a scenario in which Georgia beats Tennessee in a very close game, 38-37 uh, this weekend, then goes on to play in the, uh, big, the SEC championship game excuse me, and loses to Alabama in an equally close game, 28-24, touchdown at the very end. Is that a scenario, Mr. Feinbaum, in which three SEC teams wind up in the playoff? I think that should happen. Uh, and the committee always talks about we don't look at conferences. We look at individual teams. And obviously, Heather mentioned the conference championship matters. But I don't know how you could look at that scenario, Greeny, and, and not put three SEC teams in. And that's not because I work in the SEC or because I'm obligated to say good things. That's irrelevant to this issue. The fact of the matter is it's the best league in the country by far. It has the best schools in the country. Just look at the top ten by the committee. Let's not, you know, this is not you, you or me talking. This is the committee talking here with four SEC teams, I think five in the top 11. And, and they all, they, they cannibalize each other. So your scenario is absolutely correct. And if the committee is true to form and true to their word, they, they will end up doing exactly what you just suggested. David, I adore how mad this is going to make people. I, I live you love the that. chaos. What, what do you think? Because you said to me earlier, David, it won't happen, that they won't put three in. So in the scenario I just described, who gets left out? Well, uh, first of all, we'd have to know what everybody else did. They're, they're not going to do it because the optics okay, would so, look so bad. Okay, so Clemson and Ohio State are unbeaten. So those two are in. Correct. So you have to take out one of the SEC teams. Who is it? Well, the champion's going in. The SEC champion's going but in. my scenario, then, that's Alabama. Correct. And then it would be head-to-head -head Georgia and Tennessee. And if that's and under your scenario, Georgia, I think, would go. Because and so Tennessee, Tennessee is out. Tennessee would be out. Tennessee yeah. beats Alabama, and they get – after. And, all of that and they get And you're not out. wrong because we started this whole thing with four spots and five power five teams. So somebody's getting left out regardless. If your idea is to get the best teams, that's how you should do it. I don't think they'll do it optically. Heather, quick final word from Heather. Go. One more chaos to add to that. If Oregon wins the Pac-12, Georgia beats the Pac-12 champs, leave the Ducks out. Angry Ducks, angry frogs. Okay, we got angry ducks, we got angry frogs, we got animals revolting <laughs> all over the country. Outstanding, guys. We love the rankings. And don't miss this weekend's ESPN college football game. Bryce Young at number six, Alabama, squaring off against Jaden Daniels at number 10, LSU. Everything at stake in the SEC West. Coverage Saturday night, 7 Eastern on ESPN. Coming up, it was a deadline day disaster for Dallas. Jerry had a chance to make a big deal and didn't do it. Will he regret it? We'll answer that question next. This is Get Up on ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... 
boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We are back on Get Up with the game that is sweeping the nation. That's right. Can he or can't he? Here we go, Chris. Can Tom Brady get the Bucks to the playoffs? Can he or can't he? He can, G, and it's because he plays in the NFC South. He's already got head-to-head wins against the Saints and the Falcons. And when you look at the rest of the Bucks' schedule, they've only got one winning team remaining. That will be the Seattle Seahawks in Munich in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, Tom Brady's going to be able to get it done. they got to get healthier, but they'll be in the postseason. All right, got to lean forward to ask this one. Can Zach Wilson be the long-term quarterback for the Jets? Can he or can't he? He can't, G. And Sunday against the New England Patriots, he may have thrown the three worst interceptions that any quarterback has thrown in the entire season. But what was even worse was his answer at the post-game press conference when he said he's frustrated when he gets outside of the pocket and not seeing anything downfield. He doesn't want to keep throwing the ball away. Rob Sala, the head coach, said our quarterback can't get bored. He's got 52 other guys in the locker room that are good at football. Unfortunately, I don't think Zach Wilson's that good at football. Someone else do the last one. Uh, can, can Jerry Jones win the Super Bowl without having made a move at the trade deadline? Can he or can't he? He can, G, and it's because he's got a really good defense. They're top 10 in terms of scoring defense, top 10 in yards, top 10 in third down percentage, top 10 in red zone efficiency, and they're the best defense when it comes to rushing the passer. They've got the most sacks at 33, and they've got the best pass rush win rate. When you play defense the way the Dallas Cowboys do, you absolutely have a chance to win a chip. So how close were they to making a deal yesterday? Our Ed Werder says two sources told him the Cowboys and Texans were talking about a potential trade for Brandon Cooks until the final minutes, draft pick compensation, and the $18 million guaranteed salary for Cooks next year could not be resolved in time. We knew that salary for next season was going to be a sticking point as we worked our way towards the deadline. But uh, the Cowboys, it should be, people should be reminded, there were 10 deals yesterday, but there were quite a few deals over the course of the last week. So the Cowboys did add a defensive tackle last week. It's not like they did nothing, but... Will they regret not making a move, particularly for another receiver, yesterday? I don't think they will. I don't think they'll regret it. And I think everything that Canty said just now, you outlined it beautifully, why Jerry Jones can win a Super Bowl right now. Everything that you said, particularly about the defense, that's why I don't feel like adding Brandon Cooks was something that they desperately have to do. And Jerry Jones, come February 14th or whatever, is going to be like, ugh, had I not added Brandon Cooks? Then, you know, like, I, I, don't see it, I don't see it playing out like that. Um, I, 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 I will actually praise Jerry for restraint this time. Well, well, I'm just not sure why you're getting along with Canty. That's not normal. Is yeah, that no, weird? That's not, Is that it's weird? a comfortable place for me to be very, very strong. <laughs> My entire sense of equilibrium has been thrown off by this agreement. <laughs> let me make a different argument, though, David. 
If we look at the best teams in the NFC, the Eagles have been the best team. Of that, there is no question. If you look at the next tier, if it's right now San Francisco, Dallas, and Minnesota. Yep. The Vikings made a big move yesterday. They bring in T.J. Hawkinson. Do not underestimate how good a player he is. The, uh, the, the 49ers bring in mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. He may very well wind up being the MVP of the second half of the season. And the Cowboys don't make that kind of splash move. That's one of the reasons I'm thinking this way. Yeah, and, the, and because of that, they're, they're last on that list for me of N- NFC teams. And people are probably going to go, wait a minute, the Vikings chill out, bro? Mm-hmm. And they haven't beaten anybody good. But, man, oh, man, <laughs> you think about Hawkinson, you think about Justin Jefferson, who's one of the biggest forces in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, just what he's going to do to you. Thielen's good enough. That offense could be – with Alvin Cook. They could score points. They could be yeah. scary good. I think the, I would put the Vikings a little bit ahead of the Cowboys. But here's my thing with the Cowboys. I, okay, we can make a trade. We can, we can do that. Are you going to play Tony Pollard over Zeke Elliott? Because that's what needs to happen for this offense. 14 carries last week. He looked like a bona fide superstar. Did he not? Yeah. Dak Prescott running the football. That needs to be a key ingredient. Protect this defense, and you've got a chance to be in the hunt. So, listen, you've still got a great team. But if Zeke's the starting running back and getting the majority of the carries, I don't like the Cowboys anymore. So, let me circle back to the beginning of that thought from David, Chris. He likes, right now, as far as upending Philadelphia, it feels like it's Philly's conference to lose. They've earned that. Agreed that. San Francisco, Minnesota, Dallas, who's the biggest threat? I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. I, I honestly think that their defense is on par with what the Philadelphia Eagles are bringing to the party. And the next time they play, they will have Dak Prescott. The only question I have is, what will the identity of the offense be? Last week, they stayed true to what they were when they had that win streak with Cooper Cup. They were more run-centric than they were with the passing attack. 29 rushes to 28 passes. That's where they need to live. But, G, when they do have to drop back to throw the football, I'm worried about the productivity of the guys outside of the numbers. Listen, Dak Prescott last year, 23 touchdowns to two interceptions on throws outside of the number. This year, even though he's only played in three games, career lows across the board on such throws. They don't have a lot of firepower outside of CeeDee Lamb. That could be a problem if they find themselves down in a game. That's the point. And, and that, you know, Bill Belichick always used to talk about complementary football. Mm-hmm. That Cowboys defense is built to play with the lead, right? They are built to get – I know they added a defensive tackle last week, but by and large, they are built on speed and getting after the quarterback, and they're not built to play from behind. So that offense not having the level of explosiveness, it feels to me, becomes a potential hindrance in the playoffs i agree with you uh pause uh, I, I agree with you there's a buzz <laughs> coming see i'm bringing out the positivity in you positivity. no i get i get you but when we think of when i think of the playoffs like I, and i think of the super bowl like i'm thinking von miller like i'm thinking aaron donald like that's what what i'm picturing and i feel like that's why to me the, this dallas team is different. Yeah. And I understand. I think I want to see some more design runs for Dak. I want to see some more yep. Tony Pollard action. I'm not somebody that thinks, well, Deke, sh- uh, Deke. Zeke. Zeke. Zeke should never play again. I think that the two complement each other well, but I think there's enough firepower within this offense already. It's just how are you scheming it up? Well, the conference is fascinating to watch. I have to let David go because he's got a flight to catch. You are the man. Thank you very much for a great day today. We'll see you soon. And a game day this weekend should be (laughs) epic, obviously. They will be at Georgia, Tennessee. In the meantime, we've got epic basketball, we hope, tonight. NBA doubleheader. We've got Tatum and Brown, the Celtics, taking on Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. That's our early game. Then the Blazers will host Ja and the Grizzlies. Start your coverage with NBA Countdown tonight. 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. Meanwhile, the fun continues here with First Take coming up next. How much blame do KD and Kyrie share for what happened yesterday in Brooklyn? And are the Dolphins 
legit Super Bowl threats. First take, top of the hour, right here on ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, wake-up call. Dane Schulman, ESPN Radio. Let's hear it from last night. Schwarber the lead to the first pitch to Harper. Hit high in the air. Deep right center field. It is gone. Bryce Harper with his first big World Series moment. And the Phillies strike first, taking an early 2-0 lead. Billy's hit five home runs last night, so Dan got plenty of time. (laughs) Uh, He's as good as anybody. Okay, we've had such a great morning today, but there's one piece of business left, and it's the most important thing we're going to tell you today, and that is that one of our producers, Tori McMahon, had her baby yesterday. Congratulations, Tori. That's Anthony Joseph. He'll be known as AJ. He joins big brother JJ. Uh, I am surprised that the baby is not named Tua Marino McMahon because (laughs) she is the biggest Dolphin fan in the world. She will remember yesterday as the day they got Bradley Chubb. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Thanks for getting up with us. We'll see you tomorrow. First take next. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.